Good morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to welcome you here this morning. I want to announce first that there is an Oldsmobile in the parking lot, license plate 976ZA that has the lights on. So if that's your car, you might want to go out and turn the lights off. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome you this, hear you this morning. My name is Dan Koop-Lichty, and I'm Director of Alumni and Career Networks at Goshen College. Um, today we're privileged to learn more about some of our many, a few of our many outstanding alumni. I'm pleased now first to introduce the members of our alumni board who are here for their semi-annual board meetings. I'd like to have them stand. Let's give them a hand. And I'll ask, I'll ask John Kaufman to remain standing. I just wanted to especially recognize John. He is finishing his uh, second uh, three-year term on the board. This is his last meeting. We really appreciated having him as a member of the alumni board. Again, thank you. Now I'm pleased to introduce uh, Peter Esch Scott, who is the alumni board chair. He's going to tell you more about the two, alum two of the alumni awards that we're going to be awarding this morning. And then President Brenneman will introduce our awardees. Good morning. The Culture for Service Award and the Young Alumni Servant Leadership Award were established by the Goshen College Alumni Association to honor and recognize the achievements of Goshen College alumni who exemplify the college motto, Culture for Service, and who live out the core values of the college. What you learn here, what you become here, the seeds of ideas and understandings that are sown here will live and grow with you long after you leave this place. For every award we hand out, there are so many others doing important work, helping shape and form the culture they find themselves in, serving others in small and large ways, powerful ways, with the potential to transform. They are 25-year-olds and they are 95-year-olds. They reside all over the world. And in big and little ways, they exemplify culture for service. What we do today is a testament to all of them and to these three recipients specifically. I now invite President Brenneman to come introduce this year's recipients. Thank you, Peter. Um, for those of you who don't know this, Peter is a liberal arts renaissance kind of a guy. Filmmaker, graduate of Second City Comedy Club in Chicago, who parlayed his writing, acting, and improv skills into the comedic duo, the Squendling Brothers. And did I mention he also happens to have been and is an ordained minister, an entrepreneur, a musician, a peace advocate, and a stay-at-home full-time dad. Thanks, Peter, for your leadership here and your service as well. And now it's my distinct honor to introduce some remarkable people who embody the college motto, Culture for Service, and are deserving of Goshen College's highest honor. Uh, Ray Funk, will you please join me up here on the stage? Each year at Goshen College, as we focus our attention on one core value for, for the year, and this year it happens to be uh, Christ-centered global citizens. Our first honoree, Ray Funk, class of 1969, sociology major from Saskatchewan, Canada, helps define what it means to be a person of faith in the global kingdom of God. His life work has been driven by a vision of community and social justice that extends across borders. 
in particular the United States-Canada border to the north and the borders between the native peoples and their own homelands. Ray received his master's in adult education from Michigan State University in 1981 and several years later started Spruce River Research, a nonprofit organization in Saskatchewan committed to community economic development, facilitating partnerships between industries, <clears throat> native peoples, organizations, and communities, and the government. If anyone could redeem the reputation of politicians the world over, Ray stands out as a noble example of the best of civic engagement and leadership. He used his well-honed community development and political skills to become a member of the Canadian Parliament from 1988 to 1993. While in Congress, he led, while in Parliament, he led efforts to help resolve long-standing conflicts between Canada's First Nations Native Canadians and the Canadian government, among many other things that he accomplished there. Not least of which I think was to uh, help create a brand new territory, a uh, northern province, yeah. the largest in Canada. Uh, Ray, the politician, the member of parliament, the leader, the man, never lost sight of his true calling as a Christ-centered global citizen. Today, Ray continues his work with First Nations peoples through Spruce River Farms. He and his wife, Shirley Falstead, recently helped to start an organic farmer's market near their home in Saskatchewan. Ray Funk, thank you for your modeling for us the true meaning of becoming a Christ-centered global citizen. Thank you for your part in helping to heal the world piece by piece. And on behalf of Goshen College, I'm pleased to present you the Culture for Service Award for 2014. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you. If one can speak of spiritual DNA, then it's no stretch to say that the spiritual DNA of Dr. Esther Lehman Kawira, a 1974 graduate, contains the phenotype of a Christ-centered global citizen. At, the, at heart and in practice, Dr. Kawira is a consummate teacher, writer, administrator, healthcare, healthcare entrepreneur, family physician, researcher, development worker, and mother. From her childhood home in the United States to her home of 30 years in Tanzania, to her marriage to fellow GCer, economist and businessman Josiah Kawira, Dr. Esther, in her own words, best expresses her life journey so well. She, she has been heard to say, I feel that my life is a bridge between cultures. Indeed, Esther's life has been just that and more. She is a living bridge for us to embrace and emulate. After 20 years at the Sharati Hospital, seven years as its director, Esther and Josiah established the Sharati Health Education Development Foundation dedicated to humanitarian development and health work. Their global partners include the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine, Direct Relief International, and our own College Mennonite Church, among others. As part of the foundation, they established the SOTA Clinic, 
a village-based health clinic that specializes in Burkitt's, Burkitt's lymphoma research, which causes massive tumors on various parts of the body. With a regimen of chemotherapy and three other meds, miracles literally happen before your very eyes. And Dr. Kawira, in lectures given already on campus, has show, shown examples of that miracle uh, uh, capacity of the chemotherapy in the shrinking of these tumors to, and, and uh, children going back to live normal lives and adults as well. Their four children, <clears throat> Sarah, who's a 2004 graduate, Timothy, Jonah, a 2012 GC graduate, some of you may remember, and of course, Joel, most recently graduated in 2014, all currently live and work in the United States. Dr. Esther Lehman Kawira, thank you. Thank you for your helping to heal the world piece by piece as an exemplary and genuine Christ-centered global citizen. On behalf of Goshen College, I am pleased to present to you the Culture for Service Award of 2014. Congratulations. For those of us who have had the privilege of knowing, working, worshiping, or studying with, learning from, or relating to Dr. Melinda Berry, I'm guessing all of us agree that she is the poster alum of the GC core value, passionate learner. Melinda's contagion for learning positively infects those who encounter her inquiring mind. Melinda is a 96 graduate from Goshen College in history and English, and discovered through our ministry inquiry program, I just learned this week, uh, which she happened to do in Atlanta, Georgia during the Olympics back when, that pastoral ministry was probably not for her. That didn't stop her from pursuing theology as a vocation, and after two master's degrees and a PhD, she settled into directing the master's program at Bethany Theological Seminary here in Indiana. Along the way, she was a scholar-in-residence here at Goshen College, an associate director of the Mennonite Voluntary Service as well. Melinda's interests in scholarship and writing range far and wide, including spirituality, feminism, race, theology, cooking, and the literary arts. She rarely is, if ever, is without her knitting needles creating some new scarf or prayer shawl or warm woolly mittens for just about anyone and everyone within her reach. How she makes it through TSA uh, screening, I'm not sure, but <laughs> they seem to always be with her. She most recently served as chair of the Mennonite Education Agency Board, overseeing the educational mission of all Mennonite K through 12 and higher education schools in the United States. She now serves as Assistant Professor of Theology and Ethics at the Anabaptist Biblical Seminary just up the road. Melinda and her husband, John Stolzfus, have a one-year-old son, Jeremiah, who we hope will one day be a GC graduate as well. They attend the Fellowship of Hope Mennonite Church in Elkhart, Indiana. Dr. Melinda Berry, thank you for modeling a life of passionate learning, global citizenship, and Christ-centered servant leadership. 
We look forward with great anticipation to a life well-lived in the service to this world. On behalf of Goshen College, I'm pleased to present to you the Young Alumni Servant Leadership Award for 2014. Congratulations and thank you. Good morning. My name is Josh Gleason, and I'm the interim athletic director here at Goshen, as well as a member of the board of the Maple Leafs Athletic Club. Uh, the Dr. Roman Gingrich and Dr. Ruth Gundin Champion of Character Awards were created by the Maple Leafs Athletic Club in 2006 to recognize former Goshen College student athletes for their contributions to church and society. As an NEIA champion of character institution, Goshen College is committed to representing the NEIA's five core values of respect, integrity, responsibility, servant leadership, and sportsmanship. These awards are presented each year to two distinguished alumni who have taken these values and represented them in their years after graduation. The awards are named after Dr. Ruth Gundin and the late Dr. Roman Gingrich two pioneers in the field of physical education and athletics at Goshen College. We're privileged to have Dr. Ruth Gundin and Sarah Wingard, one of Roman's daughters, with us today and would ask them to please stand and be recognized. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to ask uh, President Brenneman to come back and present, this, present the awards to this year's recipients, Mandy Yoder and Kenny Edwards. Mandy. Mandy is currently the associate pastor at Belmont Mennonite Church in Elkhart, Indiana. She has dedicated her life to spreading the love of Christ to everyone she meets. In her words, no exceptions, no qualifications. What a remarkable thing to say, and we admire you for, the, for that unqualified spreading of Christ's love in the world. It's quite remarkable commitment to say something like that from a competitive tennis player who also liked to win at her sport. Mandy, who played tennis for Goshen College, first discovered her passion for ministry as a college student through the college's ministry inquiry program. There you go. After graduated, graduating from Goshen College, Mandy began studies at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary. Two years later, she and her husband moved to Indianapolis where she finished her seminary degree by attending Christian Theological Seminary and also commuting to the Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart. For the next year, she worked in the Homeless Initiative Program doing street outreach and case management, then joined the pastoral team at First Mennonite Church in Indianapolis. Five years later, she moved to Elkhart County to pastor Belmont, where she continues to serve today. Her work involves pastoral care, preaching, oversight of faith formation for all ages. She's also involved in providing leadership for small groups, spiritual direction to leaders, and community life events. Mandy lives in Elkhart with her husband, John Schrock, and their two children, Noah and Anna, 
also, we hope, future GC grads. Mandy, you represent all that we desire of our graduates, serving as a role model for current Maple Leaf student athletes. For your long-standing embodiment of the core values of Goshen College and the NAIA's Champions of Character Commitments, I'm honored on behalf of the Maple Leafs Athletic Club Board and Goshen College to present to you with the Dr. Ruth Gundon Champion of Character Award for 2014. Congratulations and thank you. Kenneth, I first learned to know Kenneth, AKA Kenny Edwards, as we called him, by watching him audaciously swoosh in and around and through basketball players to make a game point layup in the old gym to packed houses. Not only was he a star athlete on the court, he was also a phenom on the GC baseball team as well. In 1981, Kenneth graduated with a degree in accounting since then, he has spent more than 25 years in the financial industry, working primarily in public accounting. As an audit partner of, at the accounting firm Cone Resnick, Kenneth founded Hope Chess Scholarship Foundation, an organization that has provided nearly $1 million of post-secondary education financial assistance for minority students from New Jersey. He also serves as a board member for the Urban League of Morris County a nonprofit community service organization that empowers individuals to achieve economic self-reliance and improve their quality of life. Kenneth is active in his church, Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown, New Jersey, where he serves as the head deacon. Kenneth, we, we also know him. You may know his name on campus. Uh, we have a beautiful outdoor Kenneth E. Edwards basketball court made possible through his generous support of both he and Kenneth, Kenneth and Gwen, his spouse, and also GC grad. They currently live in New Jersey, and uh, Gwen, who was a former alum board member as well, and, uh, and ha they have three children, excuse me, uh, Ken Jr., Camille, and Corey. Ken, you have left a legacy that we desire of all our graduates and serve as a model for current and future Maple Leaf student athletes to emulate. For your long-standing embodiment of the GC core values and NAI's champions of character commitments, I'm honored on behalf of the Maple Leafs Athletic Club Board in Goshen College to present to you the Dr. Roman Gingrich Champion of Character Award for 2014. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you. And now we have the privilege of hearing from two of our recipients, Raymond Funk and Melinda Berry this morning. Esther, who spoke on Wednesday in our Science Speaker Series, will speak again tomorrow morning at the alumni breakfast. Mandy and Kenneth will share a bit of their uh, stories at the Champions of Character reception on Saturday afternoon. So let's give our attention now to Ray and then Melinda. Thank you. Good morning. This, uh, 
President Brennan, the only other time we met was actually at the gates of Machu Picchu. And uh, we kind of had a new, new age experience that we shared there. <laughs> Very spiritual place, just as this is. And uh, President of the Alumni Association, Peter, the last time I saw him, he was dangling upside down from a tree in my yard. <laughs> this is a very exciting day in my life. I just wish my parents who were here to share it. My mom, Helene, who was uh, a member of the Dick clan, which Peter is part of, and his mother, Ruth, is close to Mennonite royalty as, as we dare come. And uh, my dad, Abe Funk, who was from a salt-of-the-earth clan of Mennonite farmers in Saskatchewan. This is a day I remember all those who did so much to shape my life, my teachers, my friends, my pastors, and my home community and school, and especially my mentors here 45 years ago. I think I recognize Dean Lichty here. <laughs> yes, and uh, indeed. Are there any other of my professors that are, that are here? Well, you know, may not see Cal Radicup or Atlee Beachy or Mary Oyer or J.R. Burkholder here, but I do. So they're still here with me. And it's a day that belongs to the many teams of people that I've worked with. Uh, the Student Christian Association executive here at Goshen College 45 years ago, the First Nations of Northern Saskatchewan, and my colleagues, my peers in the 34th Parliament of Canada, and especially my family, who have been there through it all, and there have been some ups and some downs. So I'm very glad that uh, my ultimate teammate, my wife Shirley, is able to be here today, her first time on the campus. Everything I've done in these years has been a team sport, and really it's to the teams that the glory belongs, if there is glory. One of the reasons I, that was cited for me being here this morning is because of my relationship with First Nations, uh, American Indians, to you on this side of the uh, medicine line. And the day that all started is as clear to me today as it was what had happened. As, as, or as clear to me today as it was yesterday. It was the first day of the summer holidays in 1958. I was 10 years old. My dad had leased land from the uh, Sutherland clan on the Beardies Reservation, uh, 18 miles from our home. And I contemplated the day and I had a choice. I could uh, either play with my sisters and probably weed my mother's garden, or I could uh, go pick roots with my dad on the reserve. So I chose picking roots. He was somewhat amused by that since I had never picked roots before and after a couple hours it was hot and it was dusty and I was tired of picking roots. And I was in a little windless hollow and I looked up, I heard a sound and here it was just like in a movie, although I had never seen a movie being a good Mennonite boy in 1958. <laughs> there were two young Indian lads about my age on their, on their ponies. So one of them waved, and he says, Hatta. And I looked, uh, what? Hatta. And he says, I'm sorry, I don't speak your language. And he pointed to the sun. Hot. <laughs> ah, hot. <laughs> so, 
So having survived that somewhat inauspicious beginning, my uh, cross-cultural career began. And, uh, and uh, Maxim Gamble on the pony became my lifelong friend. Scene two was here at Goshen College in the fall of 1966, my first hour on the campus. It was hot and it was muggy. And the first person I encountered was a fellow by the name of Larry Brown, who was one of the first group of representatives from inner city USA that were invited here to the campus. And I couldn't resist it. I went up to Larry and I said, hot, huh? <laughs> oh, he says, you're from Canada, are you? <laughs> so for a young Mennonite with uh, already instinctively drawn to exploring cross-cultural relationships, this was the ideal place to be. There couldn't have been a better place. There was the presence of the representatives of the inner city, and they added a lot to the campus. There were the intellectual firestorms ignited by professors like Cal Radicup and Herb Minnick, who were of the first generation really to leave the uh, Mennonite enclaves that uh, had, had contained the Mennonite world for a couple centuries. There were opportunities to work in Southside Chicago with Jesse Jackson's organizations, the opportunity to teach literacy to migrants in East Chicago. Yes, it was a great place to be, and it was a great time to be here, the late 60s. As Kate Yoder said, where's Kate? Is Kate here today? <laughs> Kate Yoder said when she finished interviewing me, she says, you were a lucky man to be here during those times. And I was. And I was also lucky to be a member of parliament, to be in the parliament of Canada from 1988 to 93. As it says in quotes in the, uh, in the folder, uh, it was an exciting time, probably the most exciting term in, Canadian, in recent Canadian political history. But Dan doesn't give me the two hours that it would take to explain uh, why that is true. There was a good fortune of having a front row seat at the drama of history. Yesterday, as the uh, president's motorcade wheeled by in uh, downtown Chicago, our cab driver said that he lived in the same neighborhood as the Obamas, but uh, he had never met them. And that got Shirley and I into a bit of reminiscing and it counted up. I've actually had the, the privilege of meeting eight of the last nine Canadian prime ministers. Mind you, that's not so much a matter of being lucky as a matter of being old. <laughs> and Goshen College did go to parliament with me. When the call went out for Canada to join the Coalition of the Willing during the first Gulf War, there was J.R. Burkholder laying out the path of peace. There was the Goshen College Peace Society rocketing through the night in my 68 Charger to confront the hounds of war in Washington, D.C. When my colleagues on the left were berating the perfidy of American capitalism during the Canada-US free trade debate, there was my friend George Lichty and all the partners in MEDA, people putting their business skills to work to feed the world. And when Nelson Mandela ignited a frenzy of self-congratulations by coming to our parliament to thank Canadians for their help in his liberation, there was a th set the sound of a thousand feet and the light of a thousand candles as we walked to the courthouse on April 5, 1968, 
to honor the power of the words of Martin Luther King when he said, none of us are truly free till we all are free. So I can truly say, and with gratitude to the founders and the perpetuators of this institution and to God, that the underlying wisdom of the idea of culture for service has been there for me to fall back on in everything I've done, and it will be for you. The culture is not there to fuel the war machine, anybody's war machine. The culture is not there to power the corporate empire, anybody's corporate empire. And the culture is not there to feed the fame factory, anybody's fame factory. The culture is there to feed the hungry, to heal the sick, to build community, and to take care of Mother Earth for our children and grandchildren. Culture for service, so let it be. Thank you very much, Ray, for those remarks. <clears throat> and um, I'm pleased to see that there are some there's going to be some interesting synergy here between his remarks and my own. Um, let me just start by saying that it's, it's very lovely to be honored in this way. Um, and my remarks this morning grow from my work in the Mennonite part of Christ's body, um, and particularly as I have committed myself and my life in many ways to Mennonite higher education. So I hope that what I offer you this morning is something you receive as my tribute to our college's motto, culture for service. In Job, we find two very interesting questions. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Mennonite Church USA, as many of us know, is in a time of deep and seemingly fathomless transition. And one of the sectors where this transition has been churning and stirring for decades is in its denominationally based educational institutions like Goshen. With declining birth rates, increased patterns of assimilation, and increased ethnic and racial diversity among Mennonites in the United States and beyond, the colleges, universities, and seminaries of Mennonite Church USA have been struggling with traditional definitions of Mennonite education. Gone are the days when schools like Eastern Mennonite University, Bethel College, or Goshen can meet enrollment targets by recruiting young people from Mennonite communities, congregations, and farms. Our seminaries are growing more dependent on ecumenically oriented recruiting strategies as well. And in fact, when it comes to undergraduate degree programs, we can see in data collected by the Mennonite Education Agency, and during my time on that board, I saw books and books and books and books of this data. So take it from me, it's, the data is very clear. Um, that you know, many young people are not always interested in being part of the learning communities on campuses like this. Apart from the polity questions that these trends and dynamics raise, I do think that there is an incredible an incredible opportunity for us to dive into the fathoms of denominational transition and explore the rivers of life and meaning waiting to refresh and renew us. 
As I have thought and um, talked, especially with my sister, about what it means to be a Mennonite woman of color, I found myself articulating a philosophy and indeed a theology that grows from a tradition of non-conforming freely in the more with less tradition of Mennonitism described by Doris Jensen Longacre in her landmark book, Living More With Less. In that book, Longacre defined five life standards that include non-conforming freely doing justice, learning from the world community, cherishing the natural order, and nurturing people all come together into an aesthetic of simplicity, integrity, and Christian discipleship that describes the beauty and power, I think, of Mennonite higher education. The beauty and power of this aesthetic, in turn, is symbolized by the image of Mary, the mother of Jesus, the alma mater, whether in, in informal or formal descriptions of their life and culture, all of the higher education institutions that are part of Mennonite Church USA, and we've heard, um, heard this here this morning, identify themselves as being Christ-centered. Now this phrase is not uniquely Anabaptist or Mennonite. In fact, I would argue that it has come to us from rhetoric intended to invoke something that tends to be more highly individualized and generically Christian rather than the God talk of the historic peace church tradition that describes Jesus the Christ as the expression of God who gathers us into communities that listen for and then discern the meaning of his enduring call to follow in the way. This call is most clearly expressed in our communal renunciation of violence including imperial Christianity and Christendom. Instead, we are invited to turn to embrace God's justice. So, what does Christ-centered education mean on Mennonite college, university, and seminary campuses? It means, I argue, that learning, knowledge, self-awareness, these are things that are based on a commitment to the pursuit of God's wisdom that we study war no more. If we move to the next slide, we'll see here that alma mater is a term that we associate with school songs. In fact, we'll sing Goshen College's alma mater in just a few minutes. Um, and it, it, uh, alma mater is a Latin phrase that we can translate as nourishing or bounteous mother. And if we borrow from Spanish, where alma means soul, then we can speak of the alma mater as a nourishing soul mother. In both the ancient world and in our own, religion is a phenomena of great diversity, and through the ages, as religious leaders and thinkers have tried to get it right, they have sometimes gotten it wrong. In this case, the it is what, what, we can, uh, what can be viewed as legitimate and correct belief. One of the things that I think religious leaders of the Christian West and our own Anabaptist tradition have gotten wrong about Mary is that she is merely God's handmaid Right, the vessel through which God comes into the world in Jesus Christ. In Christian mythology and symbolism, Mary is a blending of two important traditions of divine female and feminine archetypes, the mother and the virgin. The ancient Greeks and Romans described the alma mater as a goddess associating her with the various mother goddesses and some of the virgin goddesses throughout the Greco-Roman world, like Gaia, Kybele, Rhea, Demeter, and Athena in the Greek tradition, and Tellus, Ceres, Minerva in the Roman. On the next slide, let's see. 
We see here the alma mater depicted as Tellus in the Arapachus Augustae. This is an altar of the Augustinian peace from somewhere between the 13th and 9th uh, century before the Common Era. In 2006, a new museum was opened to preserve this altar, but like much of Rome's great architectural feats, this altar was built to commemorate peace achieved by military victory. In other words, Tellus is the nourishing mother of those who conquer and rule. In the next slide, we'll see the iconic representation of the alma mater who presides over the university campus. This uh, representation of the alma mater as Minerva may remind you of the statue of Abraham Lincoln in, in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Memorial. And that's no coincidence because she was created by the same artist, Daniel Chester French. She is one of many representations of the alma mater that became popular to build on university campuses in the United States. The tradition of personifying educational institutions as alma matres began in Europe and has grown over time to include not only the school but the song associated with that institution. The alma mater at Columbia certainly represents the tradition of classical liberal arts. Minerva, of course, being the goddess of, uh, one of the virgin goddesses of wisdom. But in a context like Columbia, she also represents the commodification of, U of education and the role that U.S. educational institutions have played in building the nation's military industrial complex. I learned from Carl Hellerich um, in the physical world that um, the prototypes for the first nuclear bomb were built as part of the Manhattan Project, which was housed at Columbia University. The next slide gives us a sense of the popular depictions of Mary as the Madonna in the medieval period, roughly from the 5th to 15th centuries. During this period, Christians saw in Mary a manifestation of the alma mater, Rather than Mother Earth or Goddess Wisdom, they saw in her the doorway to salvation open. The Litany of Loretto is one of the forms that lists various titles for Mary, including the Seat of Wisdom. In this sculpture, Mary appears throne-like, and the infant Christ is seated in her lap. Visually, we're reminded of Tellus holding children on her lap and of Minerva on her throne presiding over knowledge. We also know that during the medieval period, the use of female and feminine imagery to describe the church became an important part of popular piety. The scriptural image of the church as Christ's bride combined with the mythological trope of the God King whose mother becomes his queen and bride to make Mary a symbol of the church who is wedded to Christ. <clears throat> Now, I'm sure that um, some of my feminist friends who, who, like I, am an advocate of inclusive language would um, start to raise a few eyebrows, but I would say that we've lost something of this tradition in, um, in our lack of use of the feminine pronoun she to talk about the church. At the same time, like the goddess of the Greek and Roman traditions, the image of Mary as Mother Church is double-edged for those who view God's shalom as the renunciation of violence and not merely the preservation of peace. As we work to rediscover Mary and clothe her in Anabaptist dress, which is one of the scholarly projects that I work on, I hope that we venture forth <clears throat> in a way that brings us closer to wisdom. The next slide 
features artwork by Jan Richardson. It's not a depiction of Mary, but it speaks of the importance of being rooted as a strong tree that produces good fruit from one generation to the next. Unlike the Roman altars commemorating military peace, the corporate universities doing their part for the war machine, and the lust for power of imperial Christendom and much of contemporary US American Christianity, Mennonite higher education offers its students and the world something more deep, something more nourishing, and something more wise. The opportunity and the invitation to lay down the sword and shield, the opportunity to be like a tree planted by the water, the opportunity to seek wisdom seated in the lap of his mother. Christ-centered education, hungry to find God's great shalom. Our schools, this campus, is a manifestation of Mary, the seat of wisdom, mother church, alma mater, and mother root, who teaches her children to study war no more. To conclude with the last slide, I'll simply say there's a spot in Indiana where the leafy maple grows and the Elkhart River flows. More than that, though, it's also a place where the shield is broken. This place is our alma mater, Goshen College. I want to thank you all again for coming, and in particular our awardees. I want to let you all know that you're welcome to come to a reception immediately following in the fellowship hall. Um, you're all welcome to come to that. And then I also want to let everyone know, including students, that tomorrow there is a Champion of Character Award reception at 1 o'clock in the RFC, and you're all welcome to come to that too and hear more from our awardees there. I'm now going to ask Dr. Beverly Lapp to come lead us in the alma mater. The words are on the back of your program. I'd also ask when you leave the, leave the chapel, if you want it, you can leave your programs in the back, um, and that'd be great, thank you. The words will also be projected on the screen. Let's stand as we sing with gusto this song of gratitude towards our soul mother, this anthem we've kept alive for over a century, this song of gratitude towards this vibrant place of learning we call Goshen College.